Holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Wow. Is he your everything? Amen. Will we adore him for what he's done? This is what we come here today to do. We've come here to uh, adore and magnify the name of the Lord. I'll just save it for me. I'm just going to be up here praising him the whole time. You can do what you want to, but I'm going to stand up here and worship my God. Oh, man, this is so good. So good. All right. Buenos dias. Como esta todos esta mañana? Eh? Está bien? Yeah? Cuánta gente entiende español? All right. Levanta tus manos. Tus manos. How many people speak English, understand English? Raise your hands. All right. Um, I had to dust off my high school and, and college Spanish. Thanks for indulging. Some of you didn't understand what I said, though. Uh, there might not have been much benefit for you for me to, to say good morning and welcome you here in Spanish because we're English speakers, right? Some of us understood. I, I heard there's some nods and, and some acknowledgement that I'm not speaking uh, totally for it. Hopefully I didn't butcher it too much, did I? Okay, all right. I still got a, a little bit of my accent. <laughs> I'm not ashamed also to admit that on occasion, I like to get a manicure and pedicure. You know, something about just kind of being pampered every once in a while, especially if you work hard and do a lot of things. And um, I don't have much hair to speak of, but I like to go to the barbershop and, and get, you know, a clean shave and get the beard tightened up. But, when, you know, when I go to get a manicure or a pedicure, it's usually uh, or always an Asian establishment. And, you know, they speak in their native tongue. You know, I don't know if it's Mandarin or some other dialect, but um, I can't help but wonder, what are they talking about? I don't speak Mandarin. Surprise. But I'm, I'm like, uh, they're, I hope they're not talking about me. Like, talking about how, how messed up my feet are or something like that. There's a Seinfeld episode. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. There's a Seinfeld episode where this exact thing is going on. Uh, Elaine is trying to go and uh, get a, a pedicure, and her favorite person wasn't there and available. And so she she brings um, George's father in, who does speak fluent Mandarin. And she did find out they were talking bad about her. <laughs> and uh, the whole episode unfolds from there. But it's um, kind of strange for us to be in a place where uh, we don't understand what people are talking, even some people who have an um, a, 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 a accent of some sort, and if somebody were to come from the South or the East or the UK, right, they would have an accent that will make it a little more difficult for us to understand because we don't converse with folks who have that particular dialect as much. This morning, what we're going to talk about in the book of Acts is what's known as tongues, languages. And we're going to find out how the Holy Spirit has used these tongues or languages to edify his church. 
and how important it is, not only for uh, the day of Pentecost, which we're going to talk about today, but also for us here as we sit in, our, in this room this morning. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 2. I'm a week behind. According to the calendar, Pentecost Sunday was actually last Sunday, so had I had my stuff together, um, then we could have talked about Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. But n hopefully none of you noticed that and going to hold it against me. But nonetheless, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Here God's word reads, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of this multitude came together and they were bewildered because one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, saying, oh, they're filled with new wine. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to come and worship your name and lift you on high. Father, as we open your scripture this morning, won't you speak to us and help us to understand what it is that you're saying to us through your word, not only for head knowledge, but Father, what we might do with this information and how we might get to know you at a deeper level. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you remember in Acts chapter 1, um, so we have uh, after uh, Jesus had been resurrected and he appears to the disciples and many more, um, uh, and then he ascends to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. And they, uh, last week we talked about how they, they needed to uh, appoint another apostle to take the place of the betrayer. And so they had done that. And now um, after um, they had uh, appointed Matthias after praying and seeking the God's will as to who should fill that place, they are here on the day of Pentecost and they are together. Um, and, and this is where this part of the story takes place. Pentecost essentially means the fifth and refers to the Feast of Weeks that we see in the Old Testament. So if you remember in Exodus 34, 
um, where it says, you shall observe the feast of weeks, the first of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. So this is celebrated uh, 50 days after the Passover in May or June type time frame and was a part of three annual feasts where the nation of Israel was instructed to go to Jerusalem. So this is what is taking place here as we jump into the text. Look with me in verse two. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Luke here is explaining to us um, kind of what is happening. And um, like a good author, he is using words to give us a picture of what is taking place. And so he paints this picture by using similes. How many of you remember the days in school where you learned about similes? Nobody. <laughs> the, the English major? The, okay, thank you. The money is being used well. Um, so I, imagine, I, I hated English. I hated all this stuff. And I'm like, what does this matter? I'm never going to use this stuff. And yet here I am, uh, parsing what, what is being said in the Bible and other things to be able to understand uh, what God is saying and how he's saying it. And they uh, use these different things for us to uh, understand what is going on. Uh, a simile for you is a figure of speech. It involves a comparison of one thing to another uh, of a different kind and is used to make a description more emphatic or vivid. So think of it as a word picture, right? If you're trying to describe something it is, and you maybe there's not the right or perfect word, you can say, well, it's, it's like this. And this is what we see happening here in the text this morning. Luke describes God's action of sending the Holy Spirit here in the text. Is, he says, he uses the word like. It was like a violent rushing wind. When the Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture, he's often pictured as a wind. We see this time and time again in John 3 and 8. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear a sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone who was born of the Spirit. In the same way, Luke describes what is happening here supernaturally, by the way, as flames of fire that God sent on each believer. And of course, they didn't burst in flames, literally. Uh, but he's using this as uh, to paint the picture of what's happening and what's going on. This is a picture of fire. And we see this also um, in, in various places throughout Scripture, as well as a picture of God's divine presence. And so you see the links here. This is why, brothers and sisters, it's so important for us to be reading and spending time in the Scripture. And we can't neglect the Old, the Old Testament because we see so many links back that if we don't read the Old Testament, we miss those things. Exodus 3 and 2 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Who is to him here? 
This is uh, talking about Moses. And he looked, uh, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. This is not part of the text, but can you imagine being Moses and this this bush just starts to go aflame, is not uh, burning out, is not uh, changing or anything? And I mean, yeah, what is going on? What's happening? Right. Verse four says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him to the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. I don't know if uh, Moses was scared, but I certainly would be. You see, not only this burning, this bush that just bust out into flames, but then starts talking to me. Right. And it's the voice of the Lord. Verse five, it says, and he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals of your feet for the place where on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. So certainly after he understood and realized that uh, he was in the presence of God, yes, he was shaken with fear. But here in this text that we uh, pull from the Old Testament shows us how fire has been used in the Old Testament to point us here to the significance of what's happening here in the text today. As um, these people are speaking in tongues or different languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance, these tongues are known languages and they are not unknown or unintelligible spiritual languages. So this is important for us, and I really want to highlight this because there are people who think and believe differently, but I don't think you can read it in context and get that understanding. Why would I say that? Look with me in verse 6 of chapter 2. And, it, and at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Why? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed as and astonished, saying, are these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? It spells it out here very clearly. These people were, were here, they're, they came from out of town, so to speak, and, and, as, uh, uh, and, and they're hearing their own native tongue as the apostles were speaking. As the believers they are speaking, the, the, the crowd is recognizing this, this particular dialect, not just their own language, but the specific dialect. So if you think about the dialect, there's, there's certain uh, terms that we use here in Illinois that you don't see or uh, find other places. Uh, we were in Barnes & Noble a few months ago, and we found this book about different terms that are used in various places of the country, like I grew up. Um, you know, a carbonated beverage that you would have, what's called a soda. But apparently, there are some of you who call it pop. I don't know why, it doesn't make any sense to me, but if you would go down south, they call it Coke. What kind of Coke do you want? Well, uh, diet? I don't know. They're like, well, you, you want a, a, a Sprite Coke? You want a... You want a Coke Coke? I mean, they, every soda is Coke. You have to be from there to understand what it is that they're talking about or, or the dialect, right? The, 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 the different nuances within the language that they're using in order to understand. We see this with slang and a lot of other things. 
So here we have the, the Galilean Jews who had a very distinct regional accent, and they were considered uh, unsophisticated and uneducated by the southern Judean Jews. And when the Galileans were heard speaking so many different languages, the Judean Jews were amazed. Like, how did these guys, what, what, what's going on with this, these guys? Where did they learn that? They're thinking, well, they're uneducated, they're unsophisticated. Surely they didn't go to school for this. You probably thought that when I started speaking Spanish. Like, who does he think he is? Talking Spanish all of a sudden. Another thing that stands out is the listing of the various countries and ethnic groups, further proving that these were actual known languages. They go, uh, Luke goes through uh, great um, care in, in showing the diversity of the crowd that's in front of them. Verse 8, he says, the, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Figria, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, uh, the Cretans, Arabians, and so on. This, this is a multitude here in front of them, and they were each listening and hearing not only their own language, but in their own dialect. As the apostles are uh, uh, proclaiming God's word, they're hearing in their own dialect. I don't know if you remember the show Duck Dynasty. It was a reality show that was on a few years ago, and it followed the Robinson family. Um, it's primarily about their their duck uh, duck company. Well, I forget what it's called. The uh, uh, Duck Commander was the name of the company. It was about that, their company, and they made duck calls and stuff for, for hunters uh, and so forth. They live in Louise, Louisiana, were known for not only their Christian faith, but their beards. So hopefully I like to think I would fit in with, with them. Um, so they were, they were some backwoods kind of dudes, right? When you talk to them, you wouldn't imagine them sitting in a corporate room having business deals, if you know what I mean. Um, so through all this, and, and with their southern draw, there was one, they, uh, his name was Uncle Cy. And he was kind of the, the comedy relief for the show. He would tear, tell stories and have different jokes and things of nature. So imagine... If you know the, the story, you can look up Uncle Si and kind of see some of the things uh, that he said or done. But those of you who, who know Duck Dynasty, imagine Uncle Si or somebody like him at the United Nations representing the United States. And he um, is given the platform to speak for some reason. And he is able to speak in perfect Mandarin or French or whatever have you. How is this backwoods guy with no discernible education able to speak these various languages? This is what, what is happening here in our text this morning. Somebody like an Uncle Sai is standing before uh, this, this crowd and speaking intelligently in different languages so that people would understand. So when people talk about the gift of tongues and, and using some heavenly language, when it uh, is about this particular text, they misuse it and take it out of context. It is crystal clear what is happening. And, and again, Luke goes through a painstaking care to help you to understand, to help us to understand what is happening here in the text about these, these tongues, these languages that people understood there. Now, Paul talks more 
later in the New Testament about the gift of tongues or languages in 1 Corinthians and said that when it's done amongst people, there must also be someone with the gift of interpretation. So I'm not sure exactly where I personally land on what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians and the gift of tongues, but what is very clear if there is a gift of tongues and if it is alive today, if that still happens today in 2021, Paul is very clear that um, there must be interpreters. Just as when I started here, those of you who did not speak Spanish had no idea what I was saying and it was no benefit to you. When I was speaking Spanish to those who, who don't or maybe for, have forgotten, it didn't mean anything to you what I was saying. I saw a lot of strange faces. And so in that case, I, I, sh- I could have, should have had an, an interpreter, especially if I was going to preach the sermon in Spanish. For, for those of you to understand what I'm saying, it would be helpful, edifying, building up, supportive for you to be able to understand what it is that I'm saying. 1 Corinthians 14 and 13 says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he might interpret. It goes on in 14, verse 27 and 28. It says, if any speak in tongues, let there be only two or three uh, at most, and each in turn, unless someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, what should you do? Let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. So again, clarity, context, all of this is majorly important. It is key. The interpreter would communicate the message to everyone else so that they can understand. And Paul goes on to say this in verse 19 of First Corinthians. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. The goal and the purpose of proclaiming the good news, to to, to talk about what God has said to us, the, the goal and the benefit is for people to hear it and understand it. That's the goal. And for once they have, once they are able to hear it and, and they start to be changed and transformed by the good news, then they're able to respond. We want people to come to Jesus. We want people to know him. The crowd that's hearing all this is astonished and they're not sure what to think of it. They're hearing about the magnificence of God in their own languages. So in, in order to make some sense out of well, what they say, every, everyone, they say, well, they must be drunk then. <laughs> like, I don't know where these guys picked this up. They're, they're speaking in my language. I, I don't know about you, but I have never seen a drunk just start speaking another language. And I've been around my share of drunk people. Uh, But none of them have all of a sudden started talking a different language so that people would understand it. But they're they're trying to make sense of what's going on. This has never happened before. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. But they're trying to make sense of it. So why is this here? Why are we talking about it today? We have these believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin speaking so that everyone in the crowd could understand them in their own language, in their own dialect. 
and there's various nations, there's various ethnic groups that are represented in a crowd, and they are all included in this gospel presentation. How amazing is that? That all these people have, have come from miles and miles away, and then they have this gospel presentation that is being made, and you know they probably spoke other languages, but to really get at the heart of what's going on, to really penetrate what is going on, they hear it in their own language so they can hear and get the gospel. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is for all the nations. For all the nations. Remember what Jesus says before he ascends. We talk about this a lot, and I'll continue to to beat this drum because this is why we're here. This is why God has placed us on this earth, and uh, it just culminates in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore. You should know this. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Of what? Of your friend next door, of uh, the, the, the person that you like a lot and want to make sure that they end up in heaven, uh, your, your cousin that is, is going astray. Yes, yes to all those, but make, uh, make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In order to teach them, you got to know first, right? So you got to be spending your time in the Word, be spending your time on your knees in prayer to understand what it is, how you make disciples and how you teach them. you got to know what God has commanded you so you can teach somebody else. Amen? This is our job. This is our aim. This is our role. And this is, this is the whole point. If we see this happening here in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and, and make this, this work being done so that this, this message could be proclaimed to all the nations. Revelation 5 and 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God and they shall reign on earth forever. This is what is to happen. And we gotta be about our business that we can't sit on our hands and just wait for all this to happen. When, when the, the word, when the gospel gets to the nations, then we'll see Jesus come back. So you, if you're not about this business, you're holding up things. Come on, let's get going. Come on, I, I'm, I'm anxious and ready for Jesus to come back so I can see him face to face. Let's, let's get, back, get about our business, about our work, and make sure that this good news gets to those who need to hear it. Amen. We don't have to go overseas. We're, we're going to go overseas, but we don't have to. Uh, we've been put here in Bolingbrook to, to, to share with this nation, this nation right here in Bolingbrook. And yes, we will go overseas and, and preach to others and other people groups and things of the nature. But our first, our mission field is right here. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
The workers are few in this room. We need to change that. This family of God goes beyond the nations. It goes beyond tribes. It goes beyond race. It goes beyond uh, languages. And this is what we see happening here in Pentecost. It's how God pursues the worshipers from every, every single tongue. That's what I want you to take with you today, to understand that the gospel is for all nations, and it's our job. I'm pointing to myself because it's my job, but you should be pointing to yourself. Everybody do that. Point to yourself. It's, it's my job. It's my job to take the gospel to the nations so they might know Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, uh, I'm thankful and humbled that you've given us this task, this task of going and proclaiming the good news. And I know for myself, I often feel like Moses when you asked him to go to Pharaoh and you know, I don't have the gift of speech. I am not uh, all that educated, but Father, I thank you for equipping me equipping the people that are under the sound of my voice, the people of your church, you, uh, just like you did for Moses. You gave them everything that um, they needed in order to uh, make your will be done. Father, I ask that, that we continue to rely on that and trust in you and what you would have for us to do. Let us not only be hearers of the word, fooling ourselves, but help us to be doers of the word so that people that you've placed us in front of us might might know the name of Jesus and they might have hope in the midst of this hopeless world when they don't know where to turn, even though we're, we're coming out this pandemic season and, and people are going to think everything is back to normal, but they still, uh, they still need to know you. Everything is not perfect the way it is. They're still going to be looking for different things to fill the missing piece in their soul, in their body. They're going to look everywhere else except for the God that is holy and sufficient to do what it is that they need done. So help us to be your mouthpiece. Help us to provide our testimony. Help us to, to, to show uh, people what, what your word says and help them to understand in their own language and their own dialect. Give us the courage. Give us the strength just to get up and do what it is that you've called us to do. Father, I thank you for just loving us enough, for sending your one and only son, that whoever would believe in you would not perish but have life that is everlasting. Help us to stand firm on that reality and be able to share it with others. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.